This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c Your kids can feel tension. They can feel when there's something happening, it's uncomfortable. We all know that example of like, you walk into a room and you realize something has happened, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Before, like with some people in the room, (laughs) even if you're not like emotionally invested, you can totally feel that, right? Like you can like feel it. And they always talk about the tension with a knife or the elephant in the room. Like your kids can absolutely feel that too. Like even from the, as ages, super young, all the way up, especially the teenagers and the teenagers will tell you, like there's something awkward going on here. Like something mm-hmm. feels off. And if you're harboring resentment or anger, your kids can tell. And you're also teaching them inadvertently. It's not safe to talk about your emotions, especially when you're in opposition with one another. It leads to like emotional suppression at school with friends and future yeah. relationships. And we don't want that for our kids, right? We want our kids to be better. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I continue to get to talk to the most amazing guests on this podcast to have conversations about parenthood, child health, development, how we approach parenting, and so much more. So thank you for tuning in and being here. And for all of the reviews you leave for the podcast, it means so much and it's how the podcast can grow. Today's guest is Leslie Adams, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and we are talking about why it's important for our children to see healthy conflict discussion. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. So I'm just, it's like a dream come true bucket list moment. Oh, I'm so grateful. And (laughs) I love, as you know, as someone who listens to the podcast, I love talking about parenthood, child health development, like I said, but it's so important that we talk about these kind of things, right? This is part of parenting, right? How do we communicate with the adults in our life, the partner in our life, the grandparent who comes in and does something that we may not like. So this topic on how we can have healthy conflict discussion in front of our children or how we can teach them that is so important to me. And I'm just so grateful that we could connect today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the most part, everybody understands we don't try to avoid conflict discussions in front of our children. But I think then it goes to, well, then what are we supposed to do in these Mm -hmm. moments and how do we handle repairing and following up with our kids afterwards? So I'm so excited to like talk about this today and kind of give everybody some tools and ideas of how to handle that in their own home. Well, tell us more about yourself, you know, obviously what you do in your therapy work and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So Right now, I am in a non-direct clinical role, but I come with you know 15 years of clinical experience, both in the therapy role, but also in I 
teach at a community college. So I have gotten that role under my belt. I've been in so many different settings. I've been in hospitals. I've been in outpatient clinics. I've done in-home therapy, trauma therapy. I've kind of done it all at this point. And on top of that, I used to do couples therapy a whole lot with parents who were kind of adjusting to the new normal of having a child and having conflict discussions and how to work through that. So I just come with a wealth of experience. And in my personal life, my husband and I have been together for 11 years, five of those married. Nice. So yeah, and our son just turned two in August. So we've had to work through some of this ourselves. And I'm going to be completely honest, like we struggled and we obviously had to do this during COVID with little to no support. Yes. So yeah. So all those parents out there who are dealing with this and kind of going over this hump of parenting, please know you're not yes. alone and I'm, I got you. <laughs> well, I love when I have guests on my podcast who are therapists or, you know, people who love talking about parenting like myself, who can be completely honest and transparent. It is so important for everyone to understand that although we can be quote unquote experts in the field and be trained in certain things that we all struggle as humans to have these sort of, um, you know, this growth and the sort of um, interactions with each other and trying to find the best way to navigate parenting and pandemic life and, you know, communication. So I, I appreciate that transparency. That's so important for my listeners to know. And I love having guests who share that with us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when we're having these talks and you're having some self-reflection when we're talking through some of this stuff, guys, know that there's no guilt. There's no judgment. We're just reflecting on our own communication styles. It's just good to be aware of your communication styles, but also your partners. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Yeah. So kind of starting off, you know, there is a misconception that sometimes parents feel like they have to keep the peace around their kids. And I know to some degree that's important, but parents are not always going to agree on everything. So how can we show children this sort of healthy conflict discussion? And I, I like that you use the word discussion versus resolution, right? Right. Yeah. So when we're in conflict discussions, it's not arguments. It's not fighting. This is discussions. It's easy to default to like negative habits when we're feeling unheard or angry or kind of at our wits end. And you're already emotionally charged going into those conversations and the discussions. So to take out the negative connotation of it, it's supposed to be a conversation and discussion. It's not one-sided or feeling like you're on your own island dealing with this, you're supposed to be in a partnership. So taking out even the word argument is going to change your own self-perception and your narrative just a Mm -hmm. little bit. And, you know, John Gottman, he's this really famous um, marriage and family therapist. He worked with thousands of couples, did this, all this study of conflict discussions. And he came up with the four horsemen of apocalypse. And it sounds so like... (laughs) (laughs) overwhelming, right? Like you're like, oh, wow. But really it's just four communication habits and styles that we default to when we are in a conflict discussion, right? So everybody has done all of these. Again, disclaimer, like there's no guilt or judgment. We've done all of these. And I'm going to tell you guys which one I am and which one my partner is. But the first one is criticism. And when you are in an conflict discussion and you use criticism, it's kind of an attack on your partner at the core of their Mm -hmm. character. You feel like you're dismantling them and their whole being when you criticize. So that's one. The second one is contempt. This is kind of the, um, kind of the uglier version of communication. So you kind of like, you're mean, you mock, you ridicule, you, you know, are a little disrespectful. You'll call names, stuff like that. It's not 
it's something you would almost see with children too a lot. Yes. They don't really have the consciousness of the mean side of things and the emotional damage you can do. Um, the third one is defensiveness. And again, this is where I'm at. Like full disclosure, I am a defensive communication habit person. So, you know, we'll fish for excuses. We'll kind of play the innocent victim so that our partner backs off. And then the last one is stonewalling. Um, so stonewalling kind of is when that person withdraws from the conversation, they shut down, they just don't respond. And rather than confronting the issues, they'd rather just completely maneuver out of it. My husband is this one. <laughs> that was mine. That's so interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So in that edit, like, again, if you look back and you're identifying your communication style, what's your default, Dr. Mona, when you hear some of these? Yeah. So I will say it's when you were saying that stonewalling is definitely my husband and criticism is definitely me. And it's interesting that you bring that up because what I was going to ask you is I find that there's no other person in this world that I do this with, except my partner, meaning I disagree with you or disagree with someone at work. I'm not going to go into a criticism mode, but do you find that we tend to do these things more with the people that are closest to us, like a partner? Yeah, absolutely. So anytime that you're in an emotional relationship where there's Mm -hmm. a lot of stake, there's a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. You're definitely going to hit them where it hurts. When we call it, uh, my husband and I call it fighting um, unfair. So we have very open conversations about conflict discussions and Hey, we got to fight fair. This isn't fighting fair. And how do we do that together? Um, and again, like we, this is something that we've worked on both. We did premarital therapy. We go to therapy now every once in a while, just to do consistent check-ins. Like as a therapist, I know that's going to help us continue to keep on track and continue to have honest check-ins with one another. And we're going to like talk about like <laughs> when you need those type of moments and you need that type of intervention. But when you're thinking about the communication styles, it's really important to know your default, but it's mm-hmm. also important as you work as a team to know where your partner is coming from and working with them to address the communication habits during conflict discussions, you know, knowing that your partner may be coming from a stonewalling place. If you're like me and I want to be defensive, I'll continue to pursue to make excuses and try to get to play victim in those moments. And I know he's stonewalling me out and it almost makes me want to push it further. Yes, right? Yes, of course. <laughs> like, why aren't you listening to me? Come on. Like, yeah, I'm right. Come on. That's so true. And do you find that you see that it can be multiple types of these communication styles? Or do you think that someone kind of leans on one of these strategies more than others, or it could be a mix? I think that for the most part that everybody has done all of them at one point, mm-hmm. but Normally, you'll see somebody have more of a default. The other interesting thing is as you're going through conflict discussions, as you become more emotionally charged and you become more frustrated or you're not feeling heard, you may go through all of these. Yeah. Right. You'll kind of see yourself go through, hey, I'm just trying to make a point. And then you get critical. Right. And then you may get defensive and then you go to contempt and then you stonewall that person. And that happens all the time. None of this is completely normal. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad partner. It makes you human. And how you work through those things as a partnership in front, especially in front of your children, is the super important part. And Gottman even goes into like how they call them the anecdotes to these four apocalypse. And there's different key things that you can do to show your children healthy conflict discussions. And, 
you start off by having gentle startups, right? Mm -hmm. This sounds so cliche. So I'm going to just say talking about your feelings and I statements is super important when you're going through conflict discussions. (laughs) And it's so easy not to like it's, but I get it why it's so important. Yeah. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood explains in your podcast app that's understood explains warmer sunnier days are calling fuel up for them with factors no prep no mess meals chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart protein plus and keto factors fresh never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes with 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week you'll always have new flavors to explore crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust i absolutely love the spicy jalapeno lime cheddar chicken and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Yeah. And the other side of it, like it's hard to do. It's not natural, right? Mm -hmm. We're always thinking me, 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 and my feelings. So how do you communicate that in a way that your partner can become from a more understanding place and you can feel heard? This is, I feel frustrated because you did this, this, and this. (laughs) <laughs> we tend to do that with I statements, right? And this in therapy, couples do this all the time. And as a third party kind of watching the outside in, a therapist can really help you like kind of change your verbiage and be that kind of third party moderator. So I'm feeling frustrated because I feel unheard. I'm feeling burnt out. I'm feeling decision fatigue and I need mm-hmm. some help. This is so important. And I, I feel what ends up happening a lot of the times, and I can say from personal experience is that rather than using those I statements, you fall into the trap of you're not like the criticism or like what you said, using going into the different communication styles that you've already mentioned. So I guess how for people who have difficulty trying to reprogram, because I think it is hard sometimes to remember to use I statements, kind of how would you say like to kind of in that moment, reframe and just say the I statement versus trying to do the criticism, content, defensiveness, or stonewalling? Yeah, absolutely. Practice. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. This is not, like I just said, it's not a natural thing for us to say, I'm feeling so hurt because I feel like I just made this nice dinner and I needed help to clean up and you just laughed. Right. 
Yeah. When you practice the I statements outside of conflict discussions, it becomes more natural in conflict discussions. This is also really important when you're thinking about your family as a whole. I'm going to kind of like our favorite therapy and marriage and family therapy is to look at things as a system, Mm -hmm. right? A sum is greater than the whole of its parts is something we say all the time because parents are just part of the family system and they're a major part, but they're just part of it. So when you zoom out and you want to think, okay, what do I want my family communication style to be? You practice those things in front of your children. Also, you're teaching your children those I statements as well. And this is really important when it comes to like the toddler age. I'm telling you, my son right now is really struggling with expressing his needs. And he says, I need this. I want this. I'm like, okay, I hear that you want this, (laughs) but how can I get you to tell me how you're feeling? And we do a lot of age appropriate things in our house, but part of it is, okay, do you need help? I need help, please. Not scream or not demand. I need help, please. You know, so practicing outside of conflict discussions is going to be helpful for not only you as a person, you as a parent, but you as a partner as well. And it's going to teach your kids to use those I statements as well. Isn't this so valid though, that all the things that we talk about for adult communication is so useful for how we communicate with children as well. We're all human beings that just want to be heard (laughs) and felt. And, you know, it's so true though. Like whenever I have, you know, guests that talk about more interpersonal relationships and stuff between caregivers, or, you know, it's also like the same concept is how we want to approach children as well to some degree. So I, I appreciate that. We're right. And the other thing is like, they're little humans. Yes. The reason, and kind of like backing up a little bit too, like the reason it's so important to not avoid conflict discussions with your partner in front of kids is your kids can feel tension. They can feel when there's something happening, it's uncomfortable. We all know that example of like you walk into a room and you realize something has happened right Mm -hmm. (laughs) before, like with some people in the room, (laughs) even if you're not like emotionally invested, you can totally feel that, right? Like you can like feel it. And they always talk about the tension with the knife or the elephant in the room. Like your kids can absolutely feel that too. Like even from as ages, super young, all the way up, especially the teenagers and the teenagers will tell you like, there's something awkward going on here. Like something Mm -hmm. feels off. And if you're harboring resentment or anger, your kids can tell. And you're also teaching them inadvertently. It's not safe to talk about your emotions especially when you're in opposition with one another, it leads to like emotional suppression at school with friends and future relationships. And we don't want that for our kids, right? We want our kids to be better. Like our family motto is leave it better than you found it. And that comes with parenting as my husband and I, like that's part of our, our parenting kind of like mantra is like, we're going to leave him better than we had it. Yes. Yep. That's, oh, that's exactly what we have said too. I love that. Yes. (laughs) My husband and I recorded an episode together about reparenting ourselves as we parent our kid. And he said, he's like, I want to be better than what our parents did for us and, you know, continue to evolve that way. And yeah, what you said is right on. The vibe is totally right on in terms of, you know, I will admit that my husband and I have had discussions. Um, I'm going to use the word argument only because and the only reason I'm using the word argument is that voices were raised in front ah, of our child. Right. Um, and that is just being completely transparent. And my son is like a little over two and a half at the time of this recording, but he absolutely, he, and we recognize it. Right. And we're like, mm, we need to really, really be mindful of this more and more. And I, I tend to be the higher voicer than my husband, my husband, because he's more of a stonewaller. He tends to also get very quiet in yeah, shut discussions. Down. Yes. But I'm the one who's trying to like 
get it out of him. Right. And because of that, I have been kind of programmed to raise my voice more. Right. Um, and it's important because like you said, like the last time it happened was maybe even just a couple of weeks ago prior to this recording. And Ryan was like, mommy, mommy's sad. Like he recognizes that mommy's upset. Yeah. Like he uses sad for upset. And I was like, Hmm. Yes. Like he's recognizing it and we'll, we'll get into like repair and stuff like that, but right. it was an eye-opening thing because obviously I know that it happens, but when you're so upset with whatever it is, and when you look back, it's like, was that really something I needed to be upset about? Probably not. But at that moment, it felt really big to me and that's okay. But I look at it and I'm like, wow, like I know these kids are always watching and I don't want Ryan to see his mother get angry or raise her voice at his father, just because we do not agree. Right. That's the whole point of this conversation that we're having Mm -hmm. is that no, like this is not what I want him to see. And so that instance, this is like, honestly, the first time that we've raised our voice in front of our son, which I think is pretty good for being two and a half. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, hey, like, that's yeah, really like, good for like, the most part. Like, it's pretty part. good. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually pretty <laughs> proud. Of, but that being said, like, it was a very uncomfortable feeling because I looked straight in his eyes and he read, like, my son's eyes. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, he really could feel the tension. Like you said, he knew that mommy and daddy were not happy about something. And sadly, I can't even tell you what we were arguing about. I'm sure you get that all the time. Always, right? (laughs) right? Because it's like, it doesn't matter. Does it matter? Yes. And it's so true. But I guess my my question would be then like, let's start with, do you think it's important that children have to see that their parents don't agree from time to time, correct? A thousand percent. Yes. Yes. And so one of the things I will say is that I grew up in a home where my parents never disagreed in front of me. And as I grew up, I was like, oh yeah, my parents never argue. Like they never argue. They never disagree. They were just perfect. Right. Like they just never did anything wrong. Right. And so (laughs) as I got older, what I started to create a reality of when I started dating and meeting partners, right. Mm -hmm. That whenever we had disagreements, I thought that that means the relationship is over. Meaning it's doomed because healthy relationships don't have disagreements. That's literally what I grew up feeling. And so that perception. Yeah. Like I'm happy that we're having this conversation because I also do agree that children need to see that human beings do not disagree all the time, but you don't have to yell. You don't have to do anything like, you know, tit for tat yelling and and stonewalling and criticism, but I'm happy that you agree with that. And what else can a child learn from seeing this healthy conflict discussion? Yeah. So There is so many good things that come out of conflict discussions, especially in front of your kids. One is that your number one, your parent, like you mentioned, your parents aren't perfect. (gasps) Oh my gosh. Shocker. Boom. Like it's out there. Your parents are not perfect. Mm -hmm. And as parents, you should know that you're not perfect and that it's not natural for that to happen. And I come, I come from an opposite viewpoint. My parents used to fight in front of us all the time. They ended up Mm -hmm. getting divorced when I was younger, which in the end was really good for the family, right? Because Mm -hmm. to be in a constant like state of conflict, of panic, of fighting, of yelling, watching that, it warped my view the other way. Like, oh, this is what marriage relationships are in the beginning, right? And you have this opposite view of it. What I never saw them do was resolve it. I never got to Mm -hmm. see them have a conflict discussion. They were fighting. They were full blown out fighting. There was no pretty side of it. I never got to see them come back and repair with one another or in front of us. It was, I'm going to have this conflict discussion in front of my kids and then I'm going to pretend like it never happened. So it leads to like avoidant behavior. And that's something that I don't like 
having conflict discussions. It makes me feel uncomfortable now. It makes me feel vulnerable. It makes me feel super awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I, and it makes it hard to do emotional expression in my relationship or ask for what I, my wants and needs. So that's something I have to like continuously like tap in and work on. And the opposite side of this, when you're showing kids, Hey, mommy and daddy are not agreeing on this. And this is how you can say it. Mom and dad have like, a, are having a conflict discussion about this topic. And again, you can make this age appropriate or not, like just as long as you're communicating out loud, what's happening. And you talk to them in an age appropriate manner and say, we're having a conflict discussion and mommy and daddy are kind of feeling super emotional about it. And mommy and daddy are upset right now. We're going to take a minute. We're going to take a break from this, but no, we love you. We love each other. We're going to work through this. And you can even bring them back into the conflict resolution at the end. I always say one of the antidotes of like the communication habits is physiological self-soothing, which Mm -hmm. is taking a break, spend time doing something soothing, something distracting, but you always need to schedule a follow-up conversation. Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of searching Google and ending up in a rabbit hole at 2 a.m. thinking that you're ruining your kid? Stop and visit pedsdoctalk.com. My website is your new Google with a search feature to search all content that I have that is free or available by purchase. And let me tell you, there are a lot of free goodies there, like free printable PDFs for how to handle a choking incident to milestones to monitor in your kid. My website provides information regarding the health and development of your child, including parenting and sleep. My goal is that you stop those middle-of-the-night searches that lead you nowhere but into the land of anxiety. My goal is to guide you to be the confident and calm parent I know that you are. Make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and use the magnifying glass to search. Want even more? Make sure to sign up for our newsletter by visiting pedsdoctalk.com newsletter where you can get the latest and greatest in child health news and parenting tips delivered directly to your inbox. That's pedsdoctalk.com newsletter. It doesn't have to sound like, oh, we're going to get together tonight at seven o'clock to discuss this again. It's, hey, it sounds like we both are emotionally charged right now. Let's table this and we're going to take it back up in a couple of hours or tomorrow. But having your kids be part of that part of it, but also the follow-up conversation is going to be key to show them, hey, look, we figured it out. We might've been at opposing ends, but we figured it out because we're a team and that's how we do things around here. I love that. That is so amazing. And it is something that is easy to do if you think about it, but Mm -hmm. so many times it's like, you know, you just get so in that moment. Um, but it really helps. And from the parenting 
child perspective. I mean, that is huge for them to see that modeled, right? I mean, so much of this is even it's verbal, but also the nonverbal stuff that we do, the, you know, all of it, but they just see that, wow, how do they respond after this disagreement? And I think it is like we talked about very healthy for the child to see that happen in the adult relationships that they admire so much. Right. I mean, of course they admire their parents and anything their parents do, they're going to start to kind of model as well. So um, I love that. And the other part of it too, is you want to build a culture of appreciation in your family, but specifically about your partner, especially when you're in the midst of these conflict discussions. We call it a tornado in our house when we feel like we're just not agreeing on anything. So we're like, oh, we sound like we're in a tornado right now. We have like a metaphor for it. That's something that we've called it. You can call it whatever you want, like anything that's been troublesome in your relationship. We call it tornado because we just feel like we're going round and round and round about multiple different topics and not seeing each other's perspective. To combat that, you really need to build a culture of appreciation for your partner. Mm-hmm. And that's difficult to do, man. That's the what's one of the hardest things, especially when you feel like you can't see their side and their perspective. You need to remind yourself of your partner's positive qualities and find gratitude for positive actions. They helped out at bedtime. They did bath time without you having to like watch over them. I'm using personal examples, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you have to take pockets of positive quality. And that's kind of in that finding joy book that you recommended to that book. Mm, is yeah. Phenomenal. Right. Huh? Yes. I oh, love that book. Yes, yes. Right. I'm working through it and my partner is going to read it after. And I told him, I was like, this is how I want our relationship to go when it comes to finding joy. And I think that's going to be like a huge shift for us because it's going to be how to reframe our mind in the negative and change it to the positive a lot of the times, but also you also have to take responsibility. And this might mm-hmm. be the hardest for everybody. For me, I do a really good job. I think it's just kind of an occupational hazard. I do a really good job of zooming out. Mm-hmm. And I can look at things from the outside looking in pretty quickly. And I'm not allowed to do therapy <laughs> in my relationship. We've kind of said, yes. <laughs> you know, I can't take on that role, but taking responsibility to accept your partner's perspective and offer an apology for wrongdoing is going to be huge in the repair cycle of this, right? Your partner is not coming to you completely innocent. Of course, we all do something wrong, but you also have to accept what you've done wrong. And maybe in those conflict discussions, did you take an unfair fighting jab at them? Did you say something that you knew was going to trigger them? Did you walk out in the middle of a discussion? You probably did something and you hurt your partner inadvertently during mm-hmm. that moment. and taking responsibility for your own actions is going to be tough. And it's not always easy to realize your wrongdoings and how your partner's perspective was in that moment. And that's part of like the listening and the I statements and stuff like that. It's tough guys. Like it's not easy to look at your conflict discussion from your partner's point of view. Oh yeah. I think that is very hard. And the book that you mentioned, by the way, the book of joy, absolutely recommend it for, I've talked about on my social media channel, but that book is like, I think if you can actually practice, truly practice that book, like how much peace you could find in your life. I mean, one of the biggest things that I take home from that is what you're describing, which is the compassion piece, right? That Mm -hmm. you're having compassion for your partner. And if you chose this partner to be your partner for life, you know, hopefully if that's what you want, having that compassion, and it is so easy to fall into the, what didn't you do today? You don't do this. And I'm guilty of it too. And I'm happy Mm -hmm. you're being transparent about that. You know, like I do all of this. You don't understand. You don't do this. Like starting to kind of almost tit for tat. 
itemize things when that's not ah. it's really not what it should be. Um, it really is this sort of teamwork, like you said, this big picture of we all bring something to the table, hopefully in this relationship. Um, and so you already mentioned like what to do if there is yelling and voices raised in front of the child, right? You talked about the repair. Um, is there anything bit. else you wanted to add? Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add to that piece? Like what do you do if you end up getting into this sort of criticism, contentness, defensiveness, stonewalling in front of your child where you didn't have the healthy conflict discussion. Like how do you repair after that? Yeah. So let's say we just lost it, right? Like we were able to get to a discussion, but then it just blew up. And maybe like somebody said something that was triggering, or maybe you didn't mean for it to like go into this huge conversation about X, Y, and Z, but it did. It happens guys. It still happens to us like all the time, literally happened like two weeks ago. So the first thing we did was we sat our son down and he's, again, he's just turned two. So the conversation I'm having with him is going to sound different than the one I'm going to have, even with somebody who's in school age that like eight to 12 or even teenagers, like you got to make sure that conversation is age appropriate. We both apologized and said, Hey, mommy and daddy were feeling frustrated. We yelled, maybe we completely shut down. We ignored each other. We were name calling, whatever happened. Apologize for the actions done. The next thing you're going to do, mommy, you kind of have that follow up and said, mommy and daddy talked about it later. And we decided X, Y, and Z, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you want to action plan on how you want to handle conflict discussions as a family next time. Hey, next time when we feel like we're going to escalate to do these things, we're going to take a break. Everybody's going to take a break. And we're going to have a follow-up conversation later. This is what personally what we do in our family. Like, right. We say, okay, we're all emotionally charged. We're going to table this until maybe tomorrow, but just to know we love you. We love each other. We need some time to think about how we're feeling and we want to think about each other's feelings. And right now we can't do that because everybody's upset. So Mm -hmm. let's take a minute back up and then have that follow-up conversation in front of them later and get through some kind of resolution. Now, if this is something that you guys are doing continuously and it's just like, you just can't, you can't get over it. You can't get over it. Therapy always regularly check-ins regular or not. It's always worth it for yourself. You can even do this individually. If you feel like your partner's coming to it and doing really well, but you feel like you're just not, and you can't get through, maybe you're having some past trauma that's coming up. That's really triggering. Like, let's say your partner raises their voice and it makes you shut down and Etc. Again, using myself as like an example, right? Like I go to individual therapy and I go to couples therapy mm-hmm. um, to do check-ins. You do it as yourself as an individual or as a couple. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And, and, for, yeah. and yeah, for those who are unfamiliar with couples therapy, um, I would love if you could I mean, obviously you're not going to explain like everything that happens, but are you working with those, the, the, your clients or, or patients on how to kind of prioritize the I statements, how to communicate more effectively? Like what is kind of the goals of your therapy sessions? So I think the goals can be so different based mm-hmm. on what's going on. But for the most part, when it comes to couples, the goal is always, how can we communicate better? Yes. And how can we create a safe place where we can see each other's perspective and where we can have healthy conflict discussions without hurting one each other. We talk a lot about fighting yes. fair. We talk a lot about I statements. As cheesy as it is, I will make somebody in a couple face each other and have a conversation with one person talking and then the other person repeats exactly what they think they heard. Mm. 
you will be so surprised (laughs) the amount of times where somebody will say something and they repeat it back and they're like, wait, no, that's not what I meant. That's not what I said. Let me reframe it in a way that makes more sense. I mean, a lot of it's just misunderstandings, miscommunications, misunderstandings, and not seeing each other from each perspective. And if you take the time to have those honest discussions with people where you're taking the time to talk through conflicts all the way through from the beginning to the end, you're going to see a resolution and you're going to see changes every single time. It just takes practice. And like you said, you're going to see changes in how your child approaches relationships too, right? Like they really like, you know, like you mentioned, you briefly mentioned about like, they take this sort of interaction and dynamic to the playground or with their peers. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to do something like this because I saw it being modeled. Right. And that is so healthy. Like I said, from my personal perspective and your personal perspective, being on the opposite spectrums, right? Someone who was raised with parents who never discussed anything or disagreed. And then on your end, people who did do that. My husband is on your perspective as well. He did grow up with the parents that did argue a lot, um, fight a lot, unfair, very unfair. And I think, you know, everyone, you know, when you talked about the different communications or the communication styles, the criticism, the content, the defensiveness Mm -hmm. and the stonewalling. Do you feel like those are coping mechanisms that are kind of developed through a person's life or childhood? Like that's kind of how they cope with feeling like a threat is there? Yeah, I think that we bring so much to the table when it comes to adult relationships. There's years and years of emotional experiences, like little traumas, big traumas. And we're bringing so much to the table that people don't realize wow, this has really impacted me. And this has impacted the way I speak. This has impacted the way I deal with other people. And that usually does come from childhood experiences. And then it goes through like your relationships you had growing up with friends as a teenager, like your first boyfriend or girlfriend, like your first heartbreak, like Mm -hmm. those things all add up to the default communication habits we have now. And again, like guys, like know that there's no judgment or no guilt in any of these. We've all done them. And this is just a natural response to our past experiences. And it's okay. It's totally okay. As long as you see what issue you may be having in your relationship and you work together to solve it. And the other thing is too, like as somebody maybe out there who are single parents, like, and you're dealing with a co-parenting issue, know that these communication styles don't change, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Like you should still be understanding what your other, maybe ex-partner is and how can you communicate to be better co-parents? That's really difficult to do as co-parents when you're not living together and maybe you had a tumultuous last relationship. Like it's super important that you still model conflict discussions in front of your kids as co-parents. That does not change. Yeah. Oh, and that's hard. It is hard. I mean, even in intact marriages, let alone, I know with co-parenting is a whole different layer of of different things that can happen. Leslie, thank you so much for this conversation. You already had an amazing final message, which you just mentioned, but is there anything else like as a closing statement you'd want to say to everyone who's listening today? Yeah. I mean, guys, I really appreciated the time. It was so much fun to discuss about all the conflict discussions you may be having in your future. Know that there are amazing therapists out there. I'm preferential to marriage and family therapists, but you know, there's amazing people out there that will work with you. And there's no shame in that. Please, always, mental health is so important. We just got off a World Mental Health Awareness Day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all preach it, but we all don't want to take the time. Take the time for yourself, take the time as a couple, and you will have 
better parenting, a better relationship, better modeling for your kids. Completely agree with that. And again, Leslie, thank you so much for joining me today. For everyone listening, if you love this episode, please make sure to leave a review and call Leslie out for her amazing education advice. It is just so important that we take care of ourselves and the people that are in our life and how we communicate them. And I can't wait to talk to another guest next week. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Have you heard about the terrible twos or three-nagers? Yes, the toddler years can be tough. There is no denying that any phase of parenting can be really hard. There may be picky eating, tantrums, and struggles with potty training. But there is a lot of amazing things that you will see your toddler do during these years. I want you to enter the toddler years understanding toddler development and behavior so you can better approach tricky situations with your child. With resources on picky eating, potty training, tantrums, and other common toddler behavior like sleep refusal and toddler development, the toddler resources here at Peds Doc Talk aim to provide you with the knowledge you need to, dare I say, find some or a lot of enjoyment in the toddler years. For more on my on-demand courses, make sure to visit pedsdoctalk.com and check out resources for whatever you need. Have a friend? It also makes a perfect gift. Visit pedsdoctalk.com and click courses for more.